This is Karen Hunter, and welcome to The Hub. Hey, um, I wanted to talk about something that struck me, um, and it's a correlation between The Walking Dead and Us, the movie, uh, Jordan Peele's hit horror film. Uh, I had vowed to not watch The Walking Dead after season eight when Rick Grimes had a chance, a clear shot to take out Negan, Negan who had smashed the skull of Glenn and Abraham, bashed Glenn's skull so hard his eyeball popped out of his head in front of his wife. It was one of the most horrific scenes I've ever seen on television in my entire life. And it evoked so much emotional hatred for a character who was so smug and arrogant and just on top of the world and seemingly indefeatable. And he had a chance to kill him that season and didn't. But I stuck with it because I'm not a quitter. But then at that tree the following season when he had a chance again to kill Negan and he didn't, I'm like, I'm done. And then when I found out, well, you know, I kept watching. And then when I found out that Denai Guerrero's character, Michonne, will not be back, I'm like, I'm done. I'm done. But I finished, I finished this season of The Walking Dead, and uh, this is the season where the um, whisperers uh, have been introduced, the people who wear the fake zombie um, costumes, I guess you would call them. They, they literally skin zombies and put on the zombie skins, and they live among them and they shuffle among them, and they're brutal and evil, and they put people's heads on spikes, and um, alpha and beta, and I, I, I got sucked in. I didn't want to be sucked in, but when um, Jesus got killed, I was like, you know, I, I, I got to see how this is going to end. But at the end, the last, uh, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen the last episode of this particular season of The Walking Dead, um, there's a blizzard. And it's the first time ever in the history of Walking Dead that there's a snowstorm. Um, and it's elaborate and it's like a whiteout. It's ridiculous. And Negan, who has been in jail, I guess, for like 100 years, all right, like maybe six years, um, they have to take him out of his prison uh, because there's no heat. Um, and the place that they had him chained up, uh, they thought there was going to be a fire, fire, um, fireplace. There's no fireplace, so they're trying to go to a place where there's a fireplace, and they're they're you know roped together because it's literally a whiteout. They can't see in front of them. And Judith, little Judith, Judith Grimes, who's one of the cutest characters on television, uh, runs off looking for Daryl's dog, and Negan runs off after her and he hurts himself, but he finds her, finds the dog, carries her back to safety, and in that moment. I realized that people are complicated. Now, I still think Negan is evil, but now that we have Alpha and Beta, do you want that evil on your side? And is someone ever completely evil? And he said something in that episode, he and Michonne had an opportunity to talk. And it was so profound because it reminded me of something about us, the movie. He and Michonne are talking after everything clears, the snow is thawed, you know, we're heading into spring, and they're t discussing this alpha-beta problem with the whispers. And he says, everybody thinks they're right. Everybody thinks they're right. And I thought about that and, and how it relates to politics, how it relates to our relationships, how it relates to race and racism. 
everybody thinks they're right and everyone thinks the other person is evil. But two things can be true. I say this quite often. Two things can be true. And if we, you know, we often ask this question, those people who watch The Walking Dead, you know, if you started your life as part of the, you know, the sanctuary, you know, as part of the people that followed Negan, you, you know, you would have thought Rick and them were evil because they literally came in and killed people who were sleeping in their beds. And they, you know, now, now there was a back and forth. Negan was taking his, his tithe from everyone, and they thought that was evil, so that was a get back. And Rick was like, nah, you're not going to do that. But if you were on the other side of that, raising family, raising a family, you know, with your friends, and even under this dictatorial, re dictatorial regime, you would feel like you were attacked and you would have to respond by any means necessary. And I think anyone listening to my voice, if someone were to come into your home who was starving to death and hungry and you know, had no other choice, um, you would feel like, okay, no, you can't come in my home. I will kill you, right? You would kill somebody coming into your home. But for that person on the other side of that door who may have no other option or who may think that they have no other option, they are feeling just as desperate to eat. I saw this movie starring Chiwetel Ejiofor, um, the boy who stole the wind, I think is what it's called on Netflix. Uh, it's about a kid in, in an African village who, uh, whose family is really struggling. Uh, there's a change in government, but there's also a change in climate that has created abject poverty in his village. And the father's away trying to negotiate with government to bring grain into the village because no one's able to eat. And, and his family is the only one that has any modicum of food and sustenance. And so dad's away. Nobody's eaten in his village for like a couple of weeks. And they have a storehouse of, of corn. And they, the, somebody comes in, they start stealing all of the corn, and someone literally comes into the home, and it's just the mother and her daughter, and snatches the pot out of her hand that she's about to you know, feed her family with. And he says, I haven't eaten in two weeks, the man who snatched the pot. And he snatches the pot by force and runs away with it. And she's like, what am I supposed to feed my family? And yeah, he's wrong. He's absolutely wrong, but I fortunately don't know what it's like to not have my next meal. I've never gone hungry in my entire life, obviously. <laughs> I've never gone hungry in my entire life, and I don't know what it feels like. And even people in America who've, who've experienced poverty, there's poverty in the world that you couldn't even imagine. You couldn't even imagine. And so in desperate times, like a zombie apocalypse, you know, um, people do desperate things. Yes, and it also brings out the worst in people. And I feel in some ways the world is in a sort of apocalypse and it's a you know, humanity apocalypse where we have kind of forgotten who we are as human beings and what makes us special and, and set apart from animals. And this is what I wanted to bring to the forefront because everyone believes they're right. That's what Negan's saying. So us, the movie... It's a, a very complicated movie. I'm not going to give away any spoilers because I did enough of that on SiriusXM Urban View on my radio show, the Karen Hunter Show, Channel 126. But on, the, on, on my show, we discussed it, but the, the movie's about two worlds, one underground, one above ground. And I'll just say this about the underground because in the beginning, Jordan Peele talks about the, the number of tunnels that are underground, miles and miles of tunnels. And he even references the Underground Railroad in that, which is so powerful because in this country, 
um, black and brown people by and large are seen as the enemy by a lot of folk in the majority, quote unquote, because you know we're the global majority. And for them, they see folks coming from, and I'm not just even talking about people in this country, but they see the folks coming from Guatemala and Venezuela and Honduras as folks coming here to take something that they don't deserve to have. They're not seeing them as mothers and children and fathers with no hope in a, leaving countries with, like, like even Mexico, which has some of the greatest uh, crime stats in the world. Uh, journalists are killed at a higher rate in Mexico than any other country in this world, even Saudi Arabia, um, where, where folks, uh, whole villages are under siege, but drug, held hostage basically by drug, drug cartels, where, where there's lawlessness. But in places like Venezuela, there's like no food. There's, there are no resources. And I just want people to think for a second, if you have a family that you love, if you're raising children, or even if you're by yourself, and you haven't eaten in two weeks, is there any line that you wouldn't cross? And if you cross those lines, would the lines that you crossed on the other side look at you as evil? But are you really evil? Because it's easy to judge somebody in their, at their worst. It's easy to judge a group at their worst. It's easy to judge a group at their worst when you put them in that condition. It's so easy to do that. And it's so easy to do that when you don't know the full story, when all you see are folks coming in, quote unquote, caravans to take something that's yours. But I wanna have this conversation because I think we're at a, a crossroads. I can't say it enough, so I'm gonna use as much breath as I have and as many outlets as I have to have this discussion because it requires every individual to make a decision, an individual decision that then will become a group decision that then will become a collective decision. That either we're gonna move in this world as human beings, respectful of humanity, respectful of and, and, and knowing that each and every individual deserves dignity or, or we're going to end up not being here. And by that, yeah, we'll be here in some form, but that apocalypse is a real possibility. And, and the zombie to me has always been a metaphor. It's, it's not really, uh, you know, a disease or, or some sort of virus that has infected us, but it's a, a, a spiritual virus that has effect, in, infected us and created a kind of walking dead. So as I think about us, the movie, what is revealed, and this is the only spoiler that I'm going to put, but I think if you saw it already, you'll know this, and if you haven't seen it, you probably need to know this. The people underground, the folks that were creepy, the people that were unkempt and dirty and haven't brushed their teeth and were smelly probably and, and, and murderous, they were actually the good ones because everything is perspective. And if things were done to you and you fight back, are you actually the villain or are you a revolutionary? Which is a whole other conversation. But I think it's important, you know, as, as we grow as people that we start to think about those things. And I, and I love watching uh, television, as you know, and I love movies because art, and I love to read, because art, art is a way to awaken your humanity. And art helps you uh, kind of think through things that you might not 
ordinarily think through. A lot of people were trashing um, Jordan Peele's movie Us because it wasn't as good as Get Out to them. And that's and I get that. This movie had a lot of angles and it had a lot of twists and turns and a lot of thought was put into putting this movie together. It's a brilliant piece of art because there's still a lot of conversation about it going on right now. Whereas Get Out was so straightforward. You knew what you were watching. It scared the hell out of you. You can identify every single component of it. And you said, that's what this is. But Us was a little bit more complicated because it actually requires you to look inside yourself. Are you your own worst enemy? Are you the thing that's keeping you from your best self? Are you the one looking in the mirror at yourself? Not, are, are you the one that's not the good one? These are the questions we have to ask ourselves. And to me, it's kind of simple. I, I had a conversation recently. At a, um, I did a, a talk, a, a fireside chat at Hunter College uh, for Hunter's alumni um, weekend. And the, the conversation was around equal rights. And I said, you know, um, why has it been so difficult for the Equal Rights Amendment to be passed? It's been 40 years, 40 plus years since it uh, went into, a, you know, went before Congress and, and it needs 38 states to ratify and we've been at 37 states. Hopefully by, by the time somebody listens to this in the future, <laughs> this will not be a, a conversation to be had. But, but I said, why, why haven't, why hasn't this happened? And, you know, I was talking with some people and they said, well, fear. And it was like men feel if, if this is passed, the men that are stopping it, that something's going to be taken from them. And I said, power, true power, cannot be taken from you if you have it. And me getting power doesn't take away your power unless you don't really have power. So I believe that everyone should have power because that means there's more for everyone to, to, to receive. If somebody who is struggling or if someone who is uh, doesn't have something, is given something, that person can now create something more for other people. That's how I see the world. That I, I often say this, you know, I'm not coming to you to beg for your crumbs. I'm not coming to you to beg for a seat at your table. I have the skills to build my own table. I have the skills to build my own seats at my own table, and I can bake. So I'm going to bake a full cake if you would like a slice from my cake. Here you go. But I'm not begging for anyone's crumbs, and I look at power the same way. If you have power, you can create infinitely. There's no fear that someone can come in and take anything. So then you have to ask yourself this question. If you're afraid of someone taking something from you, then instead of being afraid and blocking and building walls and, and demonizing and dehumanizing and vilifying people, why don't you work on yourself and build the skills that you need to become a baker so you can bake your cakes or become a builder so you can build your tables and your seats and your homes and all of the things that you need to be self-sufficient so that you don't have to become that evil person. So that's my message for today. I hope uh, you got something from it. I had to get it off my chest. I feel like these podcasts are like therapy for me. But let me know how you think, what you think about what I had to say. I appreciate uh, you guys supporting. Please subscribe, share, 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 share as much as you can. Um, and I thank you for everything. I look forward to talking to you the next time. And thank you for being a part of The Hub. 